They say, they say we should have known better than to fall so deep down, deep down into this rabbit hole we found. And I was thinking, Hi, this is Nico. You're listening to my dad or fall, also known as the White Rabbit and James Jordan, one and only. Down the security rabbit hole podcast. Buckle up and enjoy. Alright, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome down the security rabbit hole to yet another, another edition of the Down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast. Friends, colleagues, friends, countrymen, lend me your ears. Anybody remember that one? <laughs> no, Robin Hood Men in Tights? Great movie. Um, really weird uh, scene, but really great movie. James, how you doing, man? I'm doing well today. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm fully caffeinated. Uh, it's uh, It's a little... It's a little dreary outside. Like autumn just showed yeah, up in Atlanta. It's not cool. We, we were waiting for something yeah, more. Yeah, trying summer. to get some rain. <laughs> I uh, I think this is now a, a a perfect time to go through and have a discussion on this topic. Uh, we've got uh, uh, Dan Dodson is going to talk to a little bit us about talk to a little bit of wow. Let's try that again. <laughs> oh, maybe the caffeine's working faster on the uh, brain than the mouth. All right, <laughs> Dan's going to talk to us about. Healthcare security. Ah, that was a mouthful. Um, Dan, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, it's a little gloomy in Dallas as well, so I do I do think autumn is here. So the last time I was in Dallas, I think it was uh, two two weeks ago. I think it was like 195 degrees. I went for a, a run at the uh, at the star there, uh, and I got out at about 7:30. By the time I came back, about 8:30, uh, it it was already unbearable and hard to breathe. So. Y'all can keep that weather. Yeah, yeah, it's in the sixties today, but you're right; it's like eleven p.m. and still uh, and still hot. So yeah, um, yeah. So, here. all right, tell us a little about who you are and what you do, Dan. Yeah, absolutely, uh, Dan Dotson. I'm the CEO of Fortified Health Security, and we uh, work really hard to help protect uh, patient information and allow uh, hospitals and healthcare organizations to uh, continue to operate by putting in cybersecurity safeguards. And so okay. that's what we do. All right, cool. So, listen, I, I, um, I think this is a good time to ask this question, but because uh, I've seen the uh, just recently got announced that the uh, MGM breach is uh, being somewhere around a hundred million dollars. All right, uh, I don't imagine any hospital has that kind of money. So, uh, when it comes to the state, we'll start in, in, in a very familiar place. When it comes to the state of healthcare information security, where are we? Um, we're in the early innings, I would say we got a lot of work to do, quite frankly. And and I think that the, the interesting dynamic in healthcare is, you know, if there's a successful incident, look, it can disrupt patient care in these communities, right? I mean, the hospitals cannot deliver care without technology today. Well, we've seen that we've, we've absolutely seen evidence of that. Uh, some hospitals and a hospital chain up in uh, my old stomping ground up in Illinois had enough of an issue where, uh, they actually closed doors. Yep. Yep. We're seeing closures. We're seeing, you know, weeks of downtime, diverting patients. And there's kind of a second and third level impact in these communities because the other health systems, if there are, if it's not a rural hospital, 
uh, you know, they get overrun with uh, extra patients and stuff like that as well. So uh, it's a it's a complicated mess right now, for sure. How, how much of the risk when we talk about it, especially if we're talking about hospitals in general, but how much of that risk is billing systems, natural support systems versus, you know, there's always talk when we talk about hospitals, you know, of all the equipment like this. I can't do a CT scan. I can't do an x-ray. I question. can't do that. Right. Because all this stuff got thrown on the network. How much do we actually see that stuff going down versus, Hey, we can't, we can't accept people because our billing system and our registration system is actually down. Yeah. It's interesting. So there's been a, um, that technology has kind of converged into one. And so your, your billing and your clinical systems, your EHR is really like a unified system today. So when the servers and the network get impacted, the doctors and clinicians, they, it's both, James. They can't check you in and they can't look at your records and they can't deliver care, right? And that's what takes them, takes them down, um, you know, completely. Um, and then secondarily, you're seeing like even phone systems, right? Like organizations don't know how to communicate. How do I communicate with docs and nurses and tell them what to do if the phone system's down? I mean, it's it's kind of all of the above. Hey, I've been in uh, enough uh, in enough doctor's offices with parents uh, in their 70s, uh, kids in uh, you know, in, in, in grade school uh, and, and all that recently that um, I've been to enough of them that still have those big shelves that move, right, with all the records in it. And they're, they're, ha- they're somewhere between that and like the epics and the, and the whatever's that they use. I just know that one because I used to have people that work there. But um, like the e-health record systems, uh, how much of the U.S. healthcare system on a whole – uh, accounting just i mean if we take a take everything cut it with a broad swath how much of it is converted to ehr i think on the hospital and health system side you're greater than 98% oh okay on Not the expecting that on the yeah so if you think there was a huge legislation move in 2009 with r and high tech on obama that basically had a carrot and stick to digitize healthcare the challenge though <laughs> was cyber was not an element of that no that's a shock and so, right, exactly. And it's always the afterthought. And so now on the doctor's office, to your point, it's probably less penetrated, right? So like if you're an independent physician or something like that, um, you know, you may still be doing, um, you know, some paper charting as well as, you know, some billing in, typically in a system. Let's start on the, uh, on the side that can actually afford to talk about this. That is the hospital network, healthcare network, the, the big conglomerates. Um, I have seen uh evidence of tightening budget uh buying restrictions in some cases even layoffs of IT staff that can't possibly be good uh for the situation we're talking about which is security um are you seeing i guess what are you seeing cuz you would interact with these these folks more than i do what are you seeing happening in that industry yeah the first thing that i would say is um you know, these organizations have enterprise cybersecurity risks on SMB budgets. Like even if you're a multi-billion dollar health system, you buy like an SMB, you structure your team like an SMB, right? So a billion dollar commercial business would have a large cybersecurity team, would spend a significant amount of money on IT, those types of things. A billion dollar hospital doesn't do that. So the operating model is different. Um, Why? Well, because... For a couple of reasons. One is healthcare in general operates on grocery store margins, 
right? Super low margins. Most of them are negative. Um, even the big guys, you know, um, the recent trend is some of these health systems are losing money for the first time ever or the first time in 50 years. Um, and, and, and so it, it just kind of trickles down. Right. And so okay. th- that's, that's what's baffling me. Dan, that baffles me given how much you pay for a stupid doctor's visit. Oh, it's, it's, inc- it's incredible. Or an aspirin. Yeah. Yeah. Considering it's what 17, 18% of our GDP. Right. I mean, yeah. it's not like it's, it's not like we're not spending money in the, in the collective healthcare ecosystem, but um, yeah, it, it, it creates a tough environment for sure. So you've got an organization that runs on razor thin margins. I'm going to, I'm going to give the benefit of, the, benefit of the doubt and say on razor thin margins on it. So, but isn't that where all the innovation right now is happening, right? Everything that we're innovating with advanced techniques for care, uh, patient, uh, you know, patient, uh, 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 care within like, um, everything from surgeries to how we get records across to how we have specialists in other parts of the world, able to review somebody's MRI, CT scan, whatever, like that's where the innovation is. What the hell? Yeah. Um, you're, you're, you're spot on. That is where the innovation is coming. And I think that was, um, accelerated, uh, through COVID. Right. We, yeah. we saw the spike in, in um, uh, you know, virtual visits. We saw a spike in people working from home. Um, I mean, you know, healthcare was is, is, is oftentimes a dinosaur in the way that it thinks through, uh, you know, working environments, those types of things. I mean, before COVID, every IT worker went to the hospital or the, the IT building every day. It wasn't like other industries where, where yeah. remote was starting to etch in there. And so. Yeah, it, you're right. It's not only innovation, you know, from a medical perspective, but also from the way that they're executing the day-to-day elements of their of their business. Um, and and I think we're seeing cyber take more and more uh, forefront of conversations. Um, when you think about what moves dollars, investment dollars in healthcare, um, it's really three primary things: um, patient, you know, safety, engagement, those types of things; clinical, if you will. Um, revenue, right? So if it's yeah. going to impact revenue, uh, and then regulatory, right? And and cyber is is hitting all three of those components, which is elevating the the um, prioritization of cybersecurity within within the hospitals. I, I think so. If you give me those three, uh, regulatory is the 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 stick, right? That's the one that. All else fails. The entire cybersecurity industry as a whole, James. I think we've talked this one to death. The entire cybersecurity industry as a whole—that's what. Like, if everything else fails, we go. But the regulations, and, and sometimes we get some small chunk, of, or the lawyers figure out how to do it, and, and, and sort of like half do it, and then pretend like we did it, and hopefully get away with it. Um, the the revenue part blows my mind because I get it. Uh, and, and we're not here to debate the U.S. healthcare system here. Uh, and thank God, because I don't have enough booze. It's too early in the morning. We don't have enough time. Uh, or the time. Uh, and I don't want to get that angry at this time of day. Uh, and, and but But when you look at, okay, fine, revenue. When you are out of commission and, and like the, 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 whether, whether you're a casino, uh, whether you're a, a bank, whether you're the local train, 
uh, you know, commuter rail, whether you're a gas station, every moment you cannot transact and do the thing that your business does, you lose money. In in healthcare, you have the added bonus, and I say bonus with a grimace, uh, of potentially hurting people, like impacting people's lives in a horrible way. Um, how do we not hold people accountable for for like I don't know, maybe maybe that's the wrong thing I'm thinking of, but like. When you, when you go, oh, well, that's going to impact revenue, you're like, yeah, but also people's lives. Like the kinds of people that take those jobs shouldn't be worried about, uh, is this going to be good for revenue? And only they should be thinking, like, don't you take that kind of a job in the healthcare system to to do better, like to you know hurt uh, impact people's lives, uh, hurdle us towards a, a better society, all that? Like that's what I think. And so like sitting there scrutinizing over budget and saying, well, I don't know. Uh, we can we can make an extra you know five five uh, five cents a share if we just eh, roll that old AV for another year, um, and obviously I think patient care quality of care should be like if that's not what you're thinking about you're in the wrong industry. Yeah, and I would say by and large most of the people that are in healthcare are there for the mission and understand it, and I think the the push and pull is not against you know making profit versus investing in cybersecurity, it's uh, adding another service line of, of, you know, of clinical performance. It's buying All a right, CT machine. It's not like, like the conversations that I'm having, it's not like, oh, we need to make money. So let's cut cyber. It's like, oh, okay. we need to expand our care coordination. We need to outreach in the community because we're, we're operating. So I think they're thinking about it rationally. And I would say that, look, in the last two years, um, maybe, maybe 24 months we're starting to see, and you named one like big downtimes, right? Yeah. Prior to that, we were seeing some data stolen, which we don't want. Nobody wants that to happen, but we weren't seeing massive disruptions to care, which we're seeing now. Fair enough. So that's, what's escalating it. Right. Um, how's that, how's that changing with like cyber secure, uh, like cyber insurance coming in? Like we see cyber insurance drive a lot of industries. Yeah into like, you know, hey, you can't run at an SMB level. You got to actually step it up. Uh, do hospitals see that same thing? Because I got to imagine cyber insurance coming in, like the cost of you closed your doors, people didn't get in, like maybe lives were lost or serious injury. The lawsuits that are coming from that, does that still fall under like, hey, you made a bad security decision? And you know what I mean? Like, is that driving that any, or do they even struggle to get? They insurance? do struggle to get insurance. And I think that the big thing is, um, look, by and large premiums are doubled while coverage is 50%. We're seeing a lot of, of, uh, carriers, uh, you know, limit the, um, uh, the amount per breach as an example. I, I think the biggest difference, uh, which I'm fearful of is, you know, used to you could get cyber insurance fill out a two piece two piece of paper, two page two pages of paper. Easy for me to say. I need some more of that caffeine. Uh, yeah, see, but but now it's now it's like fifty pages, right? And they're getting very um, uh, detailed on what are you doing with their cybersecurity, right? And then they're binding the insurance, right? And then if you have an incident, they're going to pull out all the things that you said that you were doing that are in that policy that are that are bound in that. And if you found out that you weren't doing it, you actually aren't going to get covered. You're going to get clawback during claim review, right? So, so I think that's uh, a challenge overarching. Um, I think the benefit of it is, though, 
um, the cyber insurers, James, to your point, are um, being very prescriptive about what you have to do in order to get the insurance. So MFA was a, of a very hot button last year, making sure you have MFA. This year, they're talking a lot about you know, next gen AV and EDR and MDR and those types of things. And so they're getting more uh, prescriptive about what they want in order to cover it. Uh, okay. This brings me to, to a topic I'm, I'm fairly passionate about. So, I'll, but first I want to go back a little bit because you mentioned, uh, the push and pull of budget between, new services, new capabilities, right? Reaching more patients faster, better. That is part and parcel with cyber. You cannot decouple in my mind after almost 25 years in this industry, I I can no longer decouple saying I can reach more people. I can do better patient care. I can do X, Y, and Z, but cyber is a separate thing. I just, those two, that does not work for me in any mental model. It, are you seeing that? Like, are they, are they not coupling those together? Yeah, I think it's a trend that I would say more and more are, right? I think, you know, cyber used to be buried in the basement of IT, so to speak, and kind of second or third level thought. And, yeah. and to your point, you know, you, you can't put in a big, you know, patient engagement initiative if you don't consider cyber because all of that good will be undone potentially. Right. And so I think we're seeing organizations starting to weave cybersecurity into all the business decisions um, as part of their strategy. Okay. But, well, I think we're in the early innings of it, though. Right. I mean, compared to other industries, for sure. Um, but that's an opportunity that's growing. That's interesting. Um, that, that's one of the things I was concerned about is as we as we think about how we innovate, how we care for patients better. uh it's not just about like, oh, protect records, right? This is really about long distance reach. This is about access. Uh, and if if something breaks and that th- that system is offline, that network is offline, that communication, that call cannot be made, it, it has serious adverse effects. And you can't go, oh, well, that's an IT problem because it's not. Like in a lot of businesses, it becomes an IT problem. You're like, oh, IT, fix it. Right. In this case, it becomes like, well, hell, we all sit on our hands while this patient is, you know, slowly suffering or or worse. Uh, and that becomes a real that becomes a real sticking point for the way I look at things in that industry. Is that a is that a issue though of focusing on the wrong thing? Like most organizations, right? You're thinking about data. And so everybody, when you talk about healthcare, you think about the data, like, oh, I don't want my health records, right? So all that focus is how do I protect the data versus how do I protect the processes and workflows that get somebody in and out of my system? That's another great like, point. Like in and out of my facilities, you know, like, do we spend too much time with that stuff of, hey, my focus on protecting the data? Yes, I did EDR and I did all this stuff, but I did I do it to keep my system running so we could still access billing or just so somebody couldn't access the details in billing? Yeah, I think that's a great point. And we're seeing a lot more of like um, incident re- response planning, business impact analysis, like a lot more of those types of tabletops, exercises, those types of things, James, to make sure that the safeguards that folks are putting in place are actually going to be able to enable the continuity of care, you know, in the in the hopeful event that, that doesn't happen, in, you know, um, but if it does, what, what can we do about it, you know? 
Um, you know, I think that that's, that's an important element to it for sure. All right. So let's transition from, from this, this, from where we are here, um, to talking a little bit about, I, I want to figure out uh, the, the alignment of cyber to mission. Cause we're talking about, you know, you said MFA and some other things, a lot of those, uh, a lot of those initiatives and in security have actually, uh, and this is from experience have actually negative impact on uh, qu- not quality of care, but maybe speed of care. Uh, and and how you know how many uh, how many times somebody has to go you know hit a button on a keyboard or if they have to you know to get to a computer in an emergency room and it's MFA that's an extra two three five ten seconds they don't that patient may not have so are you seeing the alignment to mission uh, the alignment uh, of cyber against that because I think there is the general like let's make things more secure and more safe. Versus, how do we do that with patient care in mind? Yeah, I think I think that that's actually an area where where health systems, hospitals, health systems have done a decent job. There's a lot of single sign on. There's a lot of tap and go. There's a lot of badge in, badge out. There's a there's a that 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 refreshes the screen that you need based on the patient that's in there. Like I think there's actually been some um, partnership, if you will, between. The clinical staff, nurses, docs, etc., and and IT and cyber to to attack some of those things. Um, it's not perfect. Um, it, it certainly could be improved. Um, but I think from a, a an IAM kind of access perspective, I think there's been some good progress in that space actually, um, relative to that. Where are the big challenges? Right. So, what's what are the big initiatives right now that you, you're seeing in healthcare? Like, what is what are uh, the what are the big kids working on like what's the what's the thing or things yeah well i think the the the, the big boys are thinking about ai right i mean and, and what does okay. that mean to everybody yeah exactly um I, I think if you step below that and you look at just like cyber macro trends right i think that the, the four things we see the most are just the talent right i mean you know cyber talent we don't need to talk. We can talk all day about the shortages globally, but the reality is that just becomes exponentially more difficult for these hospitals. They typically pay less for cyber yeah. talent. Um, they typically don't have as big as budget, which means they got the people aren't working on as cool as tools, if you will, which folks love to do. Um, yeah. So that's issue one. Issue two is because of the nature of this, the typically there are exceptions. They have small teams but those teams are often pulled in multiple different directions. They're also doing networking, they're doing application stuff. And so what ends up happening is the, which is the challenge is they, they struggle with the execution of the fundamentals, the patching, the vulnerability management, the watching of the alerts, those types of things, like the, like the unsexy stuff we all got to do in cyber every day. Um, they struggle on that. Um, uh, and then the, the third is there's actually been a lot of cyber tools sold to healthcare. Right. The problem is, is that the um, the the true understanding that these tools are designed to reduce risk. But the way that you reduce the risk is with people in process. So there's been a lot of like, let's go buy a bunch of shiny boxes. But if we don't operationalize it, if it's not working in concert with my other tools, you have this whole perception gap between the risk you've actually reduced and the risk you think you're going to reduce. Right. 
So that's kind of the third challenge. And then the fourth is just the threat landscape. Like, look, hospitals are not designed to keep up with the threat landscape, right? So those are kind of the four that we see um, day in and day out that folks are trying to figure out how to, how to tackle. Okay. I was going to say from a technology standpoint, I mean, are they typically behind the eight ball here when you talk about, you know, hey, hospital technology is probably still running stuff 15, 20 years old. I mean, how many times we hear the thing like, hey, we got Windows, you know, three out there on some system to be able to run, you know, something, you know, so not only are you stuck with two of, uh, you know, that issue, but you've got, hey, we've got technology that isn't even supported by most of these new tools, or how do you integrate it to these tools and find somebody that has expertise to even try to do it? Because- (laughs) How are you going to find somebody who knows how to integrate well, with the, James, Windows 95? James, I'm going, to, I'm going to piggyback on what you're saying because, yes, that. But I, I think the, the biggest challenge uh, in, in, in the technology space uh, is, you're right, the, the ancient IT gear that they have walking around or carting around or just sitting collecting dust is uh, at one level – the threats that are coming at them are at another level and yeah. security is trying to bridge the gap between. And so this is like, you know, you've got, you've got old kit that won't take the new path. Listen, I've, I've been on three calls, two calls in the last month where I, I heard an IT leader, not the cyber person, but the IT leader in a healthcare capacity, uh, in, in a network system, whatever you want to call them, say, listen, my biggest problem is that I've got the kind of technology that I have in places that are critical to life support. Don't take patches anymore. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. can't put my EDR tool on them. I, I can't segment that part of the network off in any meaningful way because the t- technology is using protocols and, and methods that don't conform easily to passing through segmentation like firewalls or whatever. And so you're stuck with, you know, the, the, uh, the thing that, uh, that that's everybody's nightmare, right? Protecting all ancient things against modern threats and trying to stitch the, 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 the talent and tech that you have at your disposal for that. And that is not easy stuff. And how, at what point does that switch, though, from a that was security's problem, right? Like, because we we approach this from a cybersecurity standpoint, but when you talk about that stuff, that's an IT issue, right? Like, that's a you know cybersecurity budget small. I don't know what IT budget looks like, probably small as well. But that's an IT decision to say, hey, we're you know we're not putting forth these programs to upgrade our systems or so right like how much does it take to go take a system that's on xp and have to rewrite it so it'll run on 11 right like there's work there and that's an it thing not a cybersecurity thing even though it directly affects yeah dan i want i want to ask this because this is this is the direction i think where james and i are both going how much of that ancient tech that's still out there that we all know is still out there is it because somebody doesn't want to upgrade but the, the 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 upgrade path doesn't exist. Like there is no new version of something that's not patchable. Yeah. So the answer is yes to all of that. <laughs> but but I think <laughs> but no. But but the, there's another dynamic uh, to build on what James was just saying that there's also clinical engineering. So w- that's fancy for saying who owns the medical devices, right? Because all of these medical devices are running legacy uh, software to power them, right? And yeah. so. 
basically what you have is you have, and sometimes the health systems don't even know what technology that's is the, in that's that That's the worst part. Right? And You're so right. Now, now, there recently the Patch Act just um, uh, got um, you know pushed through. And basically it says that through that FDA approval process, you have to consider cybersecurity. Okay? Uh, we won't get into this in a regulatory podcast. But anyways, so that helps to some degree go forward devices. But to go back to your question, you've got literally millions of millions of medical devices in the US from hundreds of thousands of manufacturers, right? Where we don't necessarily know what's running in that device. If we do want to patch it, we have to find and coordinate if a patch exists with the manufacturer so that I don't void the warranty. I mean, this is a complicated problem. Yeah. And oh, by the way, a CFO of a hospital is very unlikely to uh, replace a medical device. That's already working. That's working. Exactly. And there's no, there's no end of life. So when you go into a CT machine, it could be 20 years old. Yeah. As long as it's clinically relevant, they're using it. Right? Yeah. And so like, and oh, by the way, that's a $5 million device to replace, not a $5,000 device. So, I mean, it, it is a complicated, complicated issue. This reminds me of the power gen industry where – end of life is when the thing dies, like physically stops functioning and burns out. Yeah. Yeah. As long as it's working clinically, they use it. And, uh, you know, unlike other systems, right? I mean, you look at old systems like COBOL systems, you know, financial industry, we're like, yeah, we got to get off COBOL because we just can't, like, it's still working, but it can't scale, right? It can't, it can't keep up with the demand. Medical devices, don't need to like, and that's yeah. right, it's a standalone device. It doesn't need that's to right. scale, right? That's it's right. Like, the only issue that we have going on with it is you connect to the network, and we've got potential risk, but it still functions as it did day one yeah. of doing what it's supposed yeah. to do, performing an X-ray or whatever it is that it's going to do, right? So of course nobody's going to sit there and say, "Well, let me get rid of this one and get the shiny new one." What did it do? It gave me the same thing. Exactly. Exactly. Right? Now, what I will tell you is there have been some advances in cyber technologies that effectively can listen to these devices, these devices, map them out, and simply put, they look for changes in uh, performance, right? So if I'm a medical device and I always talk to this server and all of a sudden I start talking to that server, it triggers an alert, could be something, could be nothing. So like there's some kind of, of um, technology that's uh, you know, helping to overcome the challenges of IOT, IOMT, those types of things. Um, but it's a, uh, it's a challenge for sure. What, what's the rate though, that like a device like that is getting actually attacked, right. And being shut down because it makes me wonder the question, okay, if, if say we hit the x-ray machine and we modified the settings on it, or we did something to it, like what, how do they recover from that? You know, like if it's that antiquated, like what's that process look like to try to reflash the ROM on this thing to be able to make it work again? Like it's does down that for a week, James. To be like, happens. It's down for like, a week. We just broke it forever. Now you have that, to buy it. That's probably the right answer, James. You have to go buy a new one. But um, I would say, look, I think that most of the adversaries are looking for money, right? So they might use it as like an entry point to jump in and try to get in the network and find, you know, hold something ransom, et cetera. Um, but look, the number one attack vector in healthcare is, is still is largely through phishing and vishing and those types of things, right? That's their entry point. Um, 
and that's that's what they're using to uh, to get to the you know the the crown jewels, if you will. So don't open your email on the X-ray well, machine. Well, here's the interesting thing, right? Yeah, well, it, it, it probably has email, money. James. We wouldn't know because we don't know what's on it. But, um, <laughs> but I'll tell you what's really interesting, though, is if you think about there's 5,000 people uh, that work at a hospital. Um, and let's say a, a lot, a vast majority of them are clinical in their role. Um, I would say universally across the board, we give people email and internal and external, right? And so like part of what I tell people is I'm like, look, man, this is a cultural challenge because people associate their employment with their email, but do they really need email? Like this is the number one attack vector. Like at some point, how do you balance that? And do you say, hey, you know what? For your business function at the hospital, you don't need to talk to people externally. Maybe you don't need an email, right? Well, you know, Joking about the open your email on the x-ray machine just made me think about because I was just joking about that. But if you think about the older systems and the limited capabilities they had, right? Like I thought we took my vehicles, right? Like you get your older vehicle, man, like it ran on gas and oil and that was it. Like there was no technology. You had to roll your window down yourself, like all that stuff. And now you look, is a full computer sitting in that thing? And I can pull down the weather. I can pull Some down of our computers anything just I want. To drive, James. Yeah. So like, is that though an increasing risk when we look at the newer systems? Like, Hey, I just got rid of my nice old mechanical x-ray machine. I just brought in the new one and it's got this pretty interface that actually lets me view my email. Like, because, Hey, I need to get email right away when I'm at the machine or I need to email it to some other thing, right? Like they're full operating systems on here. You know, no longer was it, Hey, it's just a little ROM that's got some, you know, some simple commands like it's a full blown system. Like, does that create even more risk than having the the dumb system that you know doesn't let you do anything? Like, push a button and that's yeah, it. Yeah, I think I, yes, and I also think that you're now taking this, I'll say, smarter device, and then you're hooking it into your system, so it's actually exchanging data versus printing out the old thing, you know, then typing yeah. in the result. Like, it's all data integrated. Interchange. So this whole this whole ecosystem yeah. is just expanded exponentially. All right, um, I, I, I'm curious because I want to I want to get this question in before we run out of time. It, with the a lot of the security industry has has uh, kind of I don't know maybe maybe taken the position that hey just install an endpoint product on it it'll be fine. How much of what you're seeing in terms of threats uh, can't be either detected or blocked with an endpoint EDR tool? Like how much is a network required here? You know what I'm yeah, talking I about. Yeah, no, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, I, I think they're both equally important, to be honest. I, I really do. I, I think, um, look, you, you got to be running a strong endpoint. There's no question about that. I think monitoring the network is is equally as important. Um, I think it's it's part and parcel to a strong cybersecurity program. You got to do both would be my recommendation. Um, I enough. think, but, but I also think what you're seeing is on the tech side, you're seeing the, you know, MDRs or EDRs or XDRs, you know, whatever marketing term we want to put on it, you know, expand their capabilities to be able to do more network, right? Maybe attack the SIM space a little bit, if you will, um, on the edges and nip at it. Um, but I think you've got to, you've got to look at the totality of it. And partly because in our world, the medical device stuff we've just been talking about, right? Those are on your network, but you're you not putting an agent on those devices, right? Yeah, and so 100%. I've got to be able to look at the totality of the ecosystem and monitor all of it. 
Well, and those aren't the typical entry point, though, right? No, but I they're mean, a victim. They'll they'll be victims all the right, same. They're a victim, but if you can if you can put it on the typical endpoint and stop it before it gets to the other victims that are sitting there helplessly, right? Like if I put it on all the systems that have email capability, then if I can stop phishing there, then I'm less concerned, right? Like we can't fix it down there, but we can help slowly mitigate it up here because in most of these cases, right? Like it's the, the regular systems that are getting ransomware or something like that, that's stopping people from coming in. It's not that they trickled down into, I shut down your CT. Except machine. for the fact that you got a contractor that's got to come in and uh, update that CT machine and plugs into your network to do so. Boom. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, uh, we're up on time. This is, uh, you know what? It's been fun, but it's, it's a little disheartening. Uh, Dan, I'm, I'm, uh, I like the weather today. It's a, this is a, a bit of a gloomy conversation because they're the healthcare industry is where general it was and finance was in like the mid to late nineties. Uh, so a 20, a quarter decade or sorry, quarter century of lag is bad, especially with, an aging population that requires more healthcare, more advanced techniques. We're relying more on innovation. And if it's, and if all that stuff is awesome and it's happening and, and then these institutions get blasted with some, you know, jackhole uh, sitting in the basement someplace thinking they can just go ransom hospitals. Cause we know there's no honor among thieves. Then you know what? This is a bad, bad situation. Do we just go back to, you know, making walled fortresses around hospitals i mean essentially or or care facilities like i uh, there's a lot of work to be done here dan yeah no no doubt about that but um you know we put the good fight in every day and try to try to work hard to do it so that's it that's what this podcast is all about getting the good fight out there uh so hey dan thanks for being on the show i appreciate your time yeah this has been informative you certainly uh you can you can you've certainly got some insights Yeah. Thanks for having me guys. Really appreciate it. It's been great. All right, folks, that was it. Thanks for listening. Another episode of the down to security rabbit hole podcast on healthcare sector security. I suspect we'll probably have a few more episodes on this one, James, because, um, yeah, there's a lot to unpack here. There's a, there's a lot to unpack here. I want to talk about at some point the, the patching and revving old technologies and, and uh, no, this whole endpoint versus network discussion and blah, blah, blah. And then maybe some innovation, right? So, oh, well. All right. Until next time for the Down to Security Rabbit Hole podcast, this is Raf signing off, cueing the music, and off we go. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you guys another time, another place on another Down to Security Rabbit Hole podcast. This is Bella. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to leave my dad a review and share this with your friends. Bye.